We made it to Friday, Spags. We've welcomed people to the family. We've peered into the crystal balls. And now we have a very special guest joining us today. It's today is where we get serious with our guy, Ben Gretsch, at Yards Per Gretsch on Twitter. He's doing work for possibly every site in existence out there. We will talk more about that. Of course, we'll give our ride or die picks for every single week seven Sunday game. We'll talk about the injuries that actually matter. And we're going to have a lot of fun, as always, on this fine Friday. So, Pete, hit that intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spags, joined by your friend and mine, Peter Overzet, as well as our friend, uh, who's also doing the ship chasing show. And Gretch, you have so many plugs now. I went through your bio, and it's amazing the amount of work you're doing. But it's Ben Gretch at Yards for Gretch on Twitter. How are you doing, Gretch? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I, <laughs> I guess I hadn't really thought of it that way, but um yeah in in the twitter bio it's always like i don't want to leave any place that i'm doing work out and make that look bad so i'm I'm just like throwing everything in there that i'm that i'm doing so let's ask some questions because i know the last time we've done a couple shows in between the ship chasing splash play crossovers because we do share pete as our really uh, custodial axis is what we're passing back and forth for fantasy shows of pete and uh (laughs) the last time we talked gretch you were launching the ceiling signals newsletter over at substack but now you're doing stuff for odds checker roto grinders you're also doing the ceiling bananas podcast over at rotoviz so i was asked a hard question right away what's your favorite thing you do Oh wow! <laughs> you just said he—he he just said he didn't want to leave anyone out in his bio. And no, now you're I, I mean, look, ship chasing's a blast. I love chat chatting with Pete every week. I—I I, I would probably say the Stealing Bananas pod. I get a chance to, to chat with Sean Siegel every week uh, for a few different episodes. Uh, definitely somebody who I have a ton of respect for, kind of a mentor for me when I was coming up. Um, and yeah, I mean the the like he's just somebody I love talking football with. So it's it's always a blast. Yeah, and ship chasing, we all know a great show here. Of course, you could check out uh, Pete has the links on his channel here. But of course, we're doing a lot of good stuff. And we're going to talk more about best ball coming up in a little bit. But let's get some of the plugs out of the way. In addition to making sure you follow at Yards for Gretchen on Twitter, check out all the work that Ben's doing over there. Make sure you're following at Splash Play Pod, where of course, we do follow you back. And also make sure you check out Football Outsiders, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. You can get FO plus in your life, all the data that's referenced. I know Bill Simmons has been talking about DVOA on every podcast. Doesn't have our guys on the show but he's mentioned it every time out there. And you can be like Bill Simmons, a guy that we occasionally beat up on this show by going to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and get all the data that they use on there. That's really going to be helpful. Make lineups on a holistic level for just $5 a month. So go footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. And, uh, Pete, let's start here because I want to talk about the injuries that actually matter. But I do think we need to ask a little more of Gretch and talk more about ship chasing because I, I've talked about it on this show a little. I'm jealous of the growth you guys had all summer, the fun you had with the Vegas trips. Here we just put on silly hats and do bits. But I feel like the ship chasing growth, Pete, that you've been a part of as well, is like one of the most noteworthy things in the industry, the buzz, the community you guys have built. Uh, this summer was was fun. Yeah, we had a ton of fun doing the drafts. I think we had a stretch uh, there in August where we were doing just what seemed like a draft every night. And uh, yeah, it's uh, the people love draft streams. That's one thing we've realized. Best ball streams, high stakes streams. Uh, people absolutely love it. And I think I don't know. I think people like our ship chasing drafts just because we are so transparent. 
and talking through our thought process. I think previously a lot of the high stakes drafters, it's felt like these guarded secrets and you can't post your name on the draft boards. And so I think we had fun kind of thumbing our nose at that and just kind of uh, drafting in front of everyone, even if uh, we sacrificed some EV along the way. Right, Ben? Yeah. Speaking of sacrificing EV, <laughs> our waivers uh, shows this year, Wednesday nights, Pete's favorite thing is to tell everyone our exact waiver bids right before waivers lock. So that's become a fun minus EV tradition so far this year as well. Yeah, it's probably why I'm able to get some custody of Pete because you get sick of him after that Wednesday show. And you go, <laughs> hey, we'll go back to Splash Play for a few days and do something else over there. But um, Gretchen, I guess give the people the plugs one real fast as well for yourself because we mentioned so much out there, but I know the best sales pitch is always going to be from yourself. And I do want to make sure people are checking your workout because I think you as much as anybody in the fantasy industry, every piece of content you do, you could tell the prep and the amount of love that goes into it. And that's that sounds kind of sappy, but I do, you know, it's something I admire and I think a lot of people can tell. So uh, tell people where they could check out what you're doing on a weekly basis. I appreciate that, man. Uh, the the Substack, the newsletter stealing signals. I break down every game on Mondays and Tuesdays and give the you know the signals and the noise from every game. What I think is gonna you know be telling going forward. What I think you can kind of fade. Um, that is over at Substack, BenGresh.substack.com. It's a long article each week, but I do have like a summary at the end that a lot of people just like to check out for the the, the biggest highlights. Uh, it's eight bucks a month. It's a premium premium uh, subscription. If you want to do that, then I do. You mentioned the odds checker stuff. I do some sports betting stuff there. I do a Roto Grinders live DFS live stream just before lock. Uh, I guess it's eleven thirty Eastern on Pacific time. So eleven thirty to twelve thirty Eastern every week. Um, obviously, ship chasing the the stealing bananas pod with Sean. I miss anything. I said I didn't want to miss anything. <laughs> Your children, I think you got your lovely all. wife. Yeah, my kids and my kids and my wife. <laughs> yeah, so go go check out all that stuff. You know, Gretchen really one of the good ones out there. And we try to make sure you guys are checking out the people that are good. Obviously, every guest we have on, we support all their work, but uh, make sure you are checking out what Gretch is doing. But guys, let's talk about some injuries that actually matter. And before uh, we do that, hit the like button if you can, if you're watching on Peach channel or the Splash Play channel. And of course, make sure you go give us five stars and review on the Splash Play Apple podcast page, because that's how you get a guest spot on this show. Yesterday, we had our pal Willis is awesome on the show, our accountant and our pal uh, doing some of the lineup builds that we do our low ball and our Thursday night football showdown lineup builds. And that can be you on one of the upcoming episodes. So go leave us five stars and review an Apple podcast, but injuries that actually matter. One that was last night that I think we need to touch on a little bit here. Dearness Johnson going for 146 yards and 22 carries versus the Broncos. Really the lone bright spot in a pretty ugly game all, all around there. And Gretchen, I'll ask you first, how do you feel about the backfield in this spot with Nick Chubb maybe able to come back on their next game on Halloween against Pittsburgh? Yeah, I mean, it was a great a great story. Loved Dearness Johnson. Watched the AAF back in the day. Like, literally was watching every single game. Um, so I, I liked the guy. You can go back to last year, though, when Chubb went down. Dernis got, I think, 13 carries in the game. Chubb left. He got, like, 15 over the next four games that Chubb missed. They went very heavy with Kareem Hunt. Um, and we, you know, we saw that last week when, when Chubb was out. They went very heavy with Hunt until very late in the game when Hunt got hurt, but but Johnson didn't really total much. Look, I mean, he looked good, but now we're getting all of this, you know, we're getting these takes that are like, Darren Johnson is is better than, than Nick Chubb and stuff <laughs> like that. And I mean, it's just, it's uh, it's getting a little obscene, I think. My, my take is, look, as soon as Chubb's ready, they're going to lean on Nick Chubb. They're going to, they, they might mix in Johnson a little bit more, but I don't think you're going to get more than like five carries. So like, you're not, it's not, this is like a, you know, an ex, a fun story. 
but it's going to be nothing in a month. Like we're going to be like, Oh yeah. Remember Jonas Johnson day. That was, that was a fun Thursday night football game. Peter, you feel any differently here? I know you've long been the defender that running backs do actually matter. You're often holding up signs outside a football stadium saying a similar emotion. So how do you feel about seeing Dearness Johnson go off as the third string running back? Yeah, I don't, I mean, one of my main takeaways is, I don't know, it less has to do with, you know, player eval and just more why it's important to move on these guys when they pop up on the waiver wire, because I, you know, we got a lot of pushback. Um, when we were talking about Dearness Johnson on ship chasing, just being like, well, how many games are you going to get from him? Are you only going to get one game? Well, it's, well, first of all, if you get one monster game, that is incredibly valuable at this point in the season. And then on top of that, there are, you know, could be setbacks to Nick Chubb's return. There could be just forward momentum where they do give Dearness more than five touches a game or whatever. So there's, I feel like you have lots of outs in those situations. And in general, I think we just need to keep churning and taking stabs on these guys uh, because a couple of them inevitably turn into league winners. I don't know if that's Dearness Johnson, but yeah, he did look very, very good last night. Definitely an injury situation to monitor moving forward. If Dearness Johnson is available in your league somehow, he escaped the waiver wire bids out there. Maybe worth picking him up just in case Nick Chubb doesn't get back in, but that status is up in the air. Another injury that we do know about, I guess two injuries for the Bucks. Gronk is going to stay out for their game against Chicago. Well, Antonio Brown will also be on the sidelines. And, and Pete, I'll ask you first here from a GPP perspective, perhaps, or just in general. Uh, we got Mike Evans, you got Chris Godwin, you got Leonard Fournette. There's three guys who really do have pretty big shares of that Bucks offense. You, would you choose one of these guys as being someone to build around? And if you had to choose one, let's say that you don't want to go that way, which of the three big, I guess, the big remaining bucks besides Tom Brady with Evans, Godwin, and Fournette, who would you want to play the most? Yeah, I'm actually bummed out about the AB getting scratched because Evans was looking like one of the best tournament plays to me. He was going to come in like sub 5%. People were really excited about AB and moderately excited about Godwin. I assume that that ownership now balances out in both Edwin's and or Edwin's Evans and Godwin are moderately owned. So um, I, I still prefer Evans because I think at 5,900, we're going to see Godwin probably reach kind of Calvin Ridley, AJ Brown levels of ownership is just a really, really good play without a B in the mix there. So maybe paying up to be slightly contrarian with Evans, but uh, I mean, both are going to be great plays now. Gretch, how are you feeling about the Bucks threesome here that's left behind with three guys who have produced in pretty high levels in various spots, including Fournette that I think people slept on coming into the year. And he's really been an emergent player getting a lot of touches per game. So if you had to choose between Evans, Godwin and Fournette, which guy would you play? I, I, I mean, I, I'll never play Leonard Fournette. You'll have to <laughs> pry, pry him from my cold dead hands. No, no. I mean, obviously, you know, Fournette's been very valuable. He's getting the types of touches that matter. Um, he's currently tied with his career high in yards per carry with 4.3 and his career high in yards per target with 7.1, which are both like, okay, like sort of good. But like it's good that he's been efficient uh, and not inefficient like he typically has been. But yeah, getting the receptions, getting some touchdowns, I don't think he's going to continue to score at a high rate. It really, I mean, the, the, the Bucks pass at a really, really high rate in in the red zone. It, it, to me, it's all it's looked since the beginning of the year like Tom Brady really wants the MVP. Like they're going to continue to to throw in the in the red zone. In my mind, uh, I like Evans and Godwin sort of equally. Uh, it it is tough to sort of pick on a weekly basis who it's going to be between the the Bucks receivers, but. The other guys out, I, I do think it consolidates, and so it makes them both very interesting. I'll be playing the ownership game, kind of as, as Pete was alluding to. 
you definitely want to track the ownership here no matter where you are. It does look like, uh, according to the Osmo ownership, rather, uh, we do have Mike Evans under 5% was the most recent projection they had. They had Chris Godwin under 12%. Uh, so we'll see if those numbers take a big jump upwards heading into Sunday now that we know the uh, Antonio Brown and Gronk situations. That same game, we've got Allen Robinson also officially questionable in a game where you think they need to pass Tampa Bay for all the reasons that Gretch just talked about there. So Gretch, I'll ask you, Darnell Mooney, a guy who has emerged, has been better than Allen Robinson so far in the year. Would you trust him as a solo wide receiver one where you don't have a Rob there potentially to draw away some of that attention? Well, yeah, the bucks are pretty beat up at corner. We know that. And so it's, uh, I, I'm not like concerned about him being the the number one in, in the sense that like he'll draw more attention necessarily. He's been good at getting open. Uh, there, there's just bigger concerns with the offense. I mean, you can definitely see Matt Nagy go in and try to run against the be, be basically the first team who tries to run against the bucks. Obviously, we're hoping that they don't do that. At the same time, the Bucs have an incredible pass rush, and the Bears don't have a very good offense. We saw what happened in Cleveland in Justin Fields' first start where uh, the Browns' D-line was just in his lap in on basically every drop back. And so this this game feels a little bit like it could be a, a pretty big blowout. At the same time, like if, if Robinson's out, I, I think they're going to have to throw a decent amount. I don't think that we are you know going forward – going to see fields be you know continue to be as essentially as bad as he has been for fantasy i just don't there's not a lot of ways that he can continue to be i mean essentially he's been bad in terms of team pass rate he's been bad in terms of his scramble rate which improved a little bit last week bad in terms of efficiency really um the the touchdowns have all leaned towards rushing tds as opposed to passing or his rushing you know obviously dual threat quarterbacks tend to account for a lot of the tds in the offense there's all these elements to what has been going wrong for fields from a fantasy perspective that have been really kind of sub sub average for what you'd expect from a dual threat quarterback like him. And I think some of those things, maybe they won't all regress positively all at the same time and probably not in the near future because things aren't looking great in Chicago, but some of those things have to improve at some point. If they can protect decently enough, I do think fields has been pretty accurate. He's been good at ball placement so far. Uh, I think he could have a decent game and, and in turn, it would, it would be a positive for Mooney, obviously. Pete, how about you? Would you trust Mooney here if there's no Robinson? And it's worth pointing out too, the, the Bucks do blitz at a really high rate, just shy of 40% on the year. And also Fields has been terrible under pressure in a way that um, I talk about my color-coded sheet. It is all red for the pressure stats here. He's got a 27.2 QB rating when pressured. So not to stack the deck too much, Pete, but would you trust him yourself some Darnell Mooney? Yeah, I was just talking to Osmo about this stack and if you needed to force a bring back with it, because I do think like Brady with one of Evans or Brown, and then you could even toss like OJ Howard in it looks like a pretty nice stack. I mean, Allen Robinson, he he looks like a poor points per dollar play, but if you removed him and shifted some targets over to Mooney, I guess it's fine. I'm seeing him around 11 to 12%. And I do worry if you eliminate Robinson, if Darnell Mooney gets steamed as kind of like the popular bring back uh, in that case. And then it's like, well, do you, what would you use Cole Komet at 3000? It's like, I'd rather just, onslaught it and play OJ Howard instead of Cole Komet and try to play it through the box. So I don't know. I'm not too excited about a bring back here. Yeah, it's definitely an ugly spot, though, as the crystal ball told us on yesterday's segment that uh, Justin Fields apparently going to be in the Millie Maker winning lineup. So, you know, just take the risk there. He can't be any worse. That's the main thing I would say when looking at the numbers. Dallas Goddard going to be back for Philly this week in their first game without Zach Ertz on the roster. Pete, I'll ask you, does Goddard's return or Ertz's departure move the needle at all for you in the spot for Philly going into Las Vegas? Yeah, I mean, Goddard's 
price definitely followed as far as kind of the Ertz uh, vacating there. Uh, but he does look like a good play to me. I think Jalen Hurts is one of the best uh, DFS plays this week on on DraftKings. So I like the idea of stacking him up with with one of Devonta Smith or Goddard. And uh, I mean, I'm curious what Gretch thinks, but I, I, this has to be a fairly big bump for, for Goddard once you eliminate Zach Ertz, you know, uh, fighting for targets with him. Gretch, what yeah, do you think definitely. about that one? Uh, I absolutely agree with that. Um, the the like last week we had Goddard out and and Ertz played a ton. Um, and we've seen the Eagles go a little bit more three uh, three wide receiver. I think they'll go more three wide receiver. But I mean, like the the bottom line is like there's you know they've run a lot of two tight end sets and neither Goddard or Ertz has had like huge routes run rates and now they don't have essentially a second tight end. I mean, people are talking about like Tyree Jackson and stuff, but uh, I think you have to expect Goddard runs a really high, like he gets a routes bump immediately. And and I think that's, you know, essentially all you have to say about it. Like that's, that's notable. He's good on a per out basis. There's issues with the offense, obviously like Hertz doesn't necessarily look fantastic as a passer. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a clear bump. I think it's a bump for, for the, the, the secondary receivers too, though. Like Quez Watkins is going to run more routes as well. Maybe Jalen Rager finally does something useful as Pete's been hoping for the last season and change. And worth pointing out, edjsports.com, of course, the sister site of uh, Football Outsiders, where they do run 100,000 simulations uh, for each game, does have this being a 54-point line compared to the books having it as a 48.5 line. So maybe a little bit of an edge there, no pun intended, to uh, stack this game up a little bit more. Giants, another NFC East team, Saquon Barkley, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Tony, all out as we speculated yesterday for their game versus Carolina. And Pete, this is the thing that you were worried about here. Sterling Shepard's ownership could soar as a result does seem like he's one of the top value players osmo etr it seems like the ownership projections are moving upwards for sterling shepherd so is he the kind of guy you'd want to play in some of the higher dollar lineups that you would build this weekend yeah i think i'm going to be out on him if his ownership gets up over 20 percent, which it looks like we're definitely heading there i mean he was already projecting at like 16 percent uh and now we get tony and galladay and barkley officially ruled out so yeah uh, i uh, Pete, you're muted. He muted himself in the middle of talking. He knew the tape was so bad. He was just like, let me just drop off here. I don't need to. Am I back? Yeah, yeah I think so. I don't know. But it just oh, you sound off. like you're underwater now. Yeah, right. you got your That's underwater the, thing going. Classic right Pete bit. Uh, how, how about now? There you go. There now you you're go. less underwater. Now you're like above water, maybe still you know, some water in your lungs. It's not fully out. What I'm trying to say is don't play Sterling Shepard. <laughs> Oh, can we do a Sesame Street bit where we do Sesame Street voices, Pete? <laughs> Please, no. I've done the voices. You make me do voices on Monday shows and Thursday shows. Fridays are for the boys, Spags. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's what it's known for. That's the branding we're going to come up with entirely for ourselves. It's not tied to any former employers of mine. Uh, Gretch, how about you in this spot? Sterling Shepard, the, the guy who has had the upside in the past, has had the volume for the Giants. Are you willing to go his way if the ownership is really high, given that they really don't have anybody else to throw to at this point? Well, he got... He had a hamstring setback, right? Is that what, I mean, I I, I kind of feel like he doesn't play, right? I didn't see that. I know, I know they announced the other guys being out today, and I didn't see anything about him not being available. Maybe I don't, it could be something. Yeah, I it, it looks like he suffered a setback yesterday, Thursday. Um, he's still questionable, but you never like to see those midweek setbacks, especially on something like a hammy, which is going to change the discussion in an interesting way because if all if he's out too, you like. 
who the hell's gonna catch passes for John Ross, John Ross, Dante Pettis? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's it's just all cheap players at that point. I mean, Darius Slayton, uh, is is he out? Were you saying he's among the people? No, I think he should be available. Yeah, okay, so he would be kind of interesting to me, but yeah, Pettis got a ta- got 11 targets or whatever last week. Ross, <laughs> Ross, I've always been a big fan of, but uh even with everybody out is really struggling to even draw targets. Like he had two last week and Pettis had the 11, which was pretty telling. I think they ran vaguely similar route shares. Pettis was a, a little bit higher, but um, yeah, I mean, I, maybe there's some, some cheap value in, in New York. I, Pettis is the guy who drew a bunch of targets, but if he winds up really highly, you know, highly owned, then I'm probably not going to be on Dante Pettis at like 30% ownership. Yeah, Carolina, you know, definitely has regressed a little bit from that early hot start up with their defense really not allowing anything, but they are still giving up just over 300 yards a game. So it's not like they're a particularly fertile matchup. Something to keep in mind that uh, maybe it might be a bit of fool's gold going to the Giants this weekend. One injury, too, that could be important. Latavius Murray wasn't at practice again in Baltimore. And, and Gretch, this has been a weird backfield all year where people, a lot of people, including Pete, and I think me too, I would say Tyson Williams seems like he deserves more of a role. And do they, do they play him now? Do you give a bump to Le'Veon Bell? Do you give a bump to Freeman? Who would you trust in Baltimore if we get no Latavius Murray? I don't think I would trust anyone. Uh, Le'Veon Bell has looked, I would say, the worst, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, both statistically and like to my eye. And so I, I would be a little bit more optimistic about Devonta Freeman than him. But then, yeah, I mean, Tyson's going to be active if Latavius is inactive. I think it's just, just been sort of a numbers game. You can look at how, you know, they made him inactive and made Le'Veon active. Then they made Le'Veon inactive again and made Tyson. And they've been going back and forth. I think they'll they'll have him up, um, and if they have him up, I would expect that he'll get eight or nine carries, just because like everyone does every week. And so, uh, I mean, yeah, it's kind of tough. I'd probably play Tyson before either of the old guys. Pete, but, how about you? Who would you give a bump to in Baltimore? And if it's Rashad Bateman, I swear to God, I'm going to come for you. <laughs> Rashad Bateman is the best value play on the slate uh, this week, and the only thing we have going for us is we were talking about this in a, a group chat, Gretch Leone. Corrine and I was, we, we need Dante Pettis to become the chalk wide receiver on the slate. So uh, Rashad Bateman isn't as attractive, but oh yeah, Bateman's going to be so popular with Lamar Jackson this week. Yeah, so that's an interesting spot to keep an eye on there for Baltimore. Certainly some production can go around. And speaking of production, we're going to do, of course, as we always try to get to a special guest segment here. And we hinted at it a little bit up top with some of the best ball talk. So we're going to call this one, uh, Pete, the title I have on our run sheet is Stealing Best Balls, which I feel like implies that we're some sort of hamburglar taking people's testicles in a way that I don't enjoy, but does kind of fit our, our various bits. But I'll let you drive this one a little yeah. more, Pete, because that's like I a know normal you, Friday activity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, you just go around, you tickle some testicles, you steal a few that are looking particularly good. But Pete, what should, how should we approach this one? Because I think we want to talk about, you know, what would be the things that would make the best best ball lineup, just knowing what we know from six weeks here. So how do you want to guide this conversation? Yeah, I thought it would be fun to, uh, if we were able to kind of Frankenstein together our ideal uh best ball lineup going forward based on what were the kind of ADPs back in August. So I think there's obviously some gimmies, uh, you know, what Derrick Henry's doing as a round one guy, you would want him Cooper cup as a round four guy. I mean, just has been an absolute smash, but I thought we could, uh, maybe play this out as if not just the banking, the production that's already happened, but the team we would want going so forward. So that's an important point. Are we, yeah. are we saying it would be the best best ball team, including what's already happened? Or are we just saying from this point forward? 
from this point forward, but using the same ADP that stuff kind of solidified at right before the season. Okay. So, you know, within, within reason. Yeah. It couldn't be a splash play segment if it weren't needlessly complicated. And that's what we strive for here. So I guess Pete, I know the one thing I would say for me, and I know you mentioned um, in the, our pre-show prep that Derek Henry in the first round might be one you would go to. I think I would push even more towards zero RB than we have, you know, than you guys have definitely preached all summer long. Uh, but how would you want to take handle that first round knowing what we know now? Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's a lot of different viable options still as far as I think you could take Henry, I think you take Travis Kelsey, I think you could take Adams and I think you could take Tyreek Hill. Like I feel like all of those guys would be viable first round picks. Gretch, who who would be your guy? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at this uh sort of where we're at now in terms of what strategies have worked so far. And it is interesting if you look at the top scores at like a, at a any of the positions, it is mostly the higher drafted players, but we do have a receiver, um, some, some more middle round types. <clears throat> There's not a lot of, you know, clear late round running back hits yet, but there have been a lot of spot players. I think probably in best ball, you'd want an elite running back near the top um, or Kelsey. I think you can, you can cover some of the receiver upside with some of the breakouts in the later rounds. Kelsey's interesting because he has kind of underperformed. I feel like I would want to go like Adams, Hill, which might be tough to do. I guess you probably have to be at the turn. But if you get Adams, Hill, and Cup, I feel like that's a really strong first three rounds, Pete. And I know I know that's, you know, that fits the ethos we talked about in the season. But I was surprised to see you mention Derrick Henry as a direction you'd want to go because that just still feels like even with him running about as hot as can be, still feels like a move you wouldn't want to make. I mean, it's more just talking about how, you know, heading into the season, you know, we all agreed Christian McCaffrey was the undisputed 101 and that there's a pretty big gap because he's the one running back that could really separate from the rest of the position. And I think right now Derrick Henry is showing that he's the one running back that can really separate. So I would still be interested in anchor RB builds with with Derrick Henry and then hammering wide receiver and tight end for a long time. So the, the thing I would say, Spigs, I totally agree with your first three receivers thing, but I, I'm putting a lot of focus on the fact that, like, as you get into this running back dead zone, as I like to call it, and everyone likes to call it, um, you don't want to be taking any running backs. Like, it, it, as we go through this from rounds like four to nine, there's not a lot of running backs that we would even want to be discussing. They've been all bad. So that that has been one of the clearest things, I think. You know, Miles Sanders has not been good. Uh, David Montgomery has gotten hurt. You can talk about Javante Williams going forward, I think, but uh, even the young guys have not really hit yet in, that were going in that range. You had like the Trey Sermons on the back half of that range that are not hitting. Mike Davis was the guy that we were all kind of hating on all offseason as the quintessential zero uh, uh, running back dead zone guy, and he has not hit. It has been really uh, not a good start. Miles Gaskin has been so up and down. Not a good start for those running backs that are going in those ranges. So we're definitely going to be building, I think, uh, with – receivers potentially an elite quarterback in those ranges that makes me lean more towards henry personally where so a running back i think we have some questions to ask too but I, let's start with the qb then because who would be the qb you'd feel the most comfortable with and I, i'll say the best team that i did i only did one puppy two team because i just wasn't mentally in the headspace to be doing more lineups there and um the one that i actually is running pretty well and i think might might be my, my best overall underdog lineup is a matt stafford stack with all the other rams going around um, that's one approach you could take Pete, but I feel like going to Josh Allen route going, you know, one of these high floor QBs, Lamar Jackson, maybe could be the way to get it done. So what would you do at QB if you knew what we know now about the best ball? Yeah, I, I assume if we redraft that those guys get even pushed up more than they did, you know, 
in the uh, the preseason, but I, I do want one of those uh, elite quarterbacks. But because like if I'm looking at ADP and having to choose, like I might even try to push it a little more and grab like a Jalen Hurts, you know, where he was going in round eight or nine. I think he just, I mean, last week was like uh, the low for him and he still had two rushing touchdowns and 40 plus yards rushing. That was like the low for him from a passing standpoint. So uh, I, I would be wanting to target one of those guys that have that rushing upside. I do think that's going to be incredibly valuable come, come playoff time. So yeah, g- give me Jalen hurts in my Frankenstein build. Gretch, how about you at QB? What would you want to do there? Do you want to take a Josh Allen, Mahomes, Lamar tier guy, or would you want to go a little bit cheaper? I'd be in that tier, I think, uh, especially if we're talking about like where they were going during draft season. I think in that, you know, fifth round range, it, it, Mahomes is going a little higher, but it's sort of like wh- whichever. And, and Josh Allen was going kind of high. So probably whichever of Kyler or Lamar you tell me is going later, I'm, I'm going to tell you I want that guy. Kyler has looked fantastic as a passer, he's clearly taken a step forward as a passer, uh, still running, you know, has, hasn't been running a ton the last couple of weeks, did have a touch, uh, rushing touchdown called back by penalty. Uh, either last week or, or the week prior, you know, just, just very recently um, weeks one through three had a rushing TD each game. Lamar, you have the the heavy increase in pass rate and he's looked pretty efficient himself as a passer. He obviously had that monster game on Monday night where he breaks the all-time record for completion percentage in a 40 attempt game in only his third career 40 attempt game, just an insane stat for a guy like Lamar Jackson to be breaking that record. Uh, I think he only has more production going forward as basically the entirety of Baltimore's offense. So for me, it'd probably be Kyler and Lamar at cost. Now running back, I think this is where you could really have gotten away with going the hardcore, most hardcore version of zero RB where you could have had Khalil Herbert. You could have Madison was a guy that I had a lot just because I wasn't getting Dalvin cook. Some of the drafts I was doing and was happy to get him. But but Pete, how would you handle running back if we could redo it all now? Because, and also if you have a team that by the way, fits this criteria of what we're talking about, feel really good about yourself, whether it's on underdog or DraftKings or anywhere else out there. But what would you do at running back Pete? Cause it really does feel like this year, I'm sure it's the case every year, but zero RB does feel like it could have worked if you just hit the right guys that crescendo at the right times the first thing i'd do is i'd go back in my time machine and i'd tell underdog to classify cordero patterson as a running back <laughs> instead of a wide receiver and then i would have been tacking him on as my 18th round pick in a ton of drafts um like i said i i do still uh i would be interested in going uh with that anchor build either kind of with henry earlier or i think eckler and Najee at the at the one two turn mm-hmm. have held up uh pretty nicely i mean the thing that's tough about the best ball stuff uh is like guys like i guess elijah mitchell was drafted a little bit um but guys like dearness johnson and khalil herbert like weren't really getting drafted in these contests um but yeah you you definitely load up on chuba hubbard he was one of the premier handcuffs that were uh, was available late so he would definitely be part of of any draft plan and i still I still want to be taking like Javante Williams in the fifth, sixth round where he was going. We saw last night him really flashing. He scored that passing touchdown and it does, it's been a slow burn. And I know you don't like hearing this bags, but uh, the Javante Williams takeover is coming slowly by slowly each week. Did we not see the Melvin Gordon pass catching touchdown that 93% catch rate on full display there as he got his. So that's, that's what I would say, but Gretch, how would you handle running back here? And obviously I think we could both say it probably would not include Mike Davis now. I think, yeah, I think Pete hit it pretty well. I, I would add, um, 
DeAndre Swift, I think, is has got to be in the discussion. Daryl Henderson, depending on sort of you know yeah. where he was going, and he hasn't been fully healthy thus far. He missed a game. He's left others early, but I do think going forward, Daryl Henderson is going to look like a very good pick. Uh, he kind of settled in like the fourth round, and I, I said from the moment that Acres went down, I thought he should be like a mid second to early third. I was pretty shocked all along that he never got steamed up that high, but he did wind up uh, in the third and, in, in, you know, in some leagues later on, but he's been, you know, been getting basically all of the work whenever he's played. And that's been pretty huge. You know, week two, he leaves early and Sonny Michelle, all of his touches come after uh, Henderson leaves week three, Henderson missed uh, week four or whichever game it was against Seattle. Almost all of Sony Michelle's touches came on a second quarter drive when Henderson was getting checked out for an arm injury. So it's been like, Michelle, I think some people think is more involved than he actually is because Henderson uh, has been a little banged up at times. But when Henderson's been healthy, they've been really, really heavy on Henderson. So I'm pretty excited about him going forward in an offense that's going to be great for, for running back points. Yeah, I think that was one, too, that we were pushing people towards. And I know you guys talked about on Ship Chasing as well when that Cam Akers news came out that Henderson was the move. And that's definitely one. If you guys got there, hopefully that is paying some dividends. Tight ends is a weird one. And I know, Gretch, you talked about Travis Kelsey up top. I feel like if you got Dawson Knox, I don't know that it holds up the rest of the year. We kind of saw him, Emmanuel Sanders, start to come back down to earth last week. And you got to expect you're going to see more of a share go digs and Beasley's way moving forward. But I think if you have Dawson Knox right now, you have to feel pretty good because you probably got him in what the towards the end of the draft, definitely lower than I would say probably 15, 16 tight ends. Yeah, except he's got the broken hand now, and we don't know how long he's out. Oh, but that's I completely right, that's right. agree. He, I mean, I think when he's back, he's going to be great. Dalton Schultz would be the other one that makes a lot of sense. Um, but other than those two, maybe Noah Fant, who has looked pretty solid at times. I think you, outside of those guys, you're you're really sticking to the top six, probably. Um, I'll toss in uh, Gasecki yeah, there as sure. well. Yeah, in like Fant and Gasecki were always kind of in that same range, like tenth, eleventh round uh, pick. I guess Gasecki was going a little bit after Fant, but. Yeah, it's it's a wasteland. Um, and obviously we've had some injuries with like Logan Thomas and uh, his kind of ADP brother was Tyler Higby, who's really underwhelmed there. So there were definitely lots of uh, it was a minefield at tight end. I feel like Darren Waller, I he's got to be better in the back half of the season, but he was a guy that I got a lot just because of the positioning and Kelsey always being gone. And I thought, you know, like a shore up tight end. And he's been just so disappointing in a way that I didn't expect just in terms of the volume. So that's one guy I would definitely mark down a little bit more that I have too many shares of. I'm sure he could certainly bounce back in the second half of the season, but that's the guy that stands out to me. Um, any other final observations, Peter Gretsch? I feel like, you know, we, we talked about a lot here. And you guys, this is something that is so near dear to your heart from the literal hours. You know, the Malcolm Gladwell certified 10,000 hours of draft you did any other observations you guys have about how it would have gone differently i mean one thing i'd say like we we just listed off a ton of late round um running backs that have you know how to glow up so to speak but man i can't think about too many wide receivers late that i wish i would have taken Kadarius tony would be the one i wish i would have more exposure to obviously he's going to miss this week but he seems like he's going to find his way into winning best ball rosters if he can stay on the field but are there any late round no. wide receivers that you can even think of beyond that well there there aren't from like a points perspective i mean I, I actually looked at this in one of my intros uh to stealing signals this week and one of the things we said when you stretch really at receiver through the dead, the running back dead zone is that there's kind of a cutoff where you want to get most of your receivers by 
you know, I know the guys that we were often saying were like where Visco was going and where Debo was going and where Tyler Boyd was going, which was like for most of the offseason, like the ninth round. Some of those guys were up in like the fifth round by the end of draft season. But um, there's really nobody that was going outside of that kind of first 10 rounds at receiver that has been really, really consistently productive. Sterling Shepard's been good when he's been on the field. He's the closest. Christian Kirk has had some big games as well. But those guys are not from a you know points per game or from a total points perspective, they're not really anywhere near contending with sort of the top of the leaderboards. And it is interesting that like, you know, Mike Williams has, has come up and Cooper Cup has come up. Debo has come up. Marquise Brown looks great. All those guys were lower on the receiver list, you know, in that 10, first 10 round range, but they were still very much in that range where we were like, look, you want to get a lot of receivers by this point. That was the point. You wanted redundancy. You wanted those players. That's where the good receivers are, and that's where they've shown to be. I mean, I think that's been a very clear takeaway so far. Also in chat, Danny P and our accountant Willis pointing out AJ Green being a guy that apparently is propping up some best ball teams out there. And, and I would say this would be the one thing. Obviously, there's a lot of failures that we could talk about that Pete certainly rode me on all summer long about the older guys. But I would say AJ Green was a guy coming into a role. You knew that they were going to treat him with some degree of value. People just kind of shed on him because he was an older player. And and Pete, I know you expect it to come down a little bit as the season goes on. Rondale Moore seizing more of a share. But for guys like Danny P, apparently he's keeping his best ball team alive. Yeah, I mean, it is that is the thing, too, with, you know, I see a mentioning uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who is another guy that has had some some nice uh, spike weeks as well. I think the thing that's tricky is um, trying to find a blend of those guys, right? Because I, I, I will not be surprised whatsoever if A.J. Green kind of fades a little bit more in the second half where it's like you want a guy like A.J. Green the first six to seven weeks who's giving you some of those weeks before he falls off. And then you want a guy like Kadarius Tony who might miss the first six weeks and then can finish really strong. So I think one of my takeaways there too, is just thinking of making sure you have a blend of type of production. And we talk about that with running backs too. You want some pass catchers that can just give you a nice floor. You want some pure handcuffs who could, you know, step into massive roles. You want some rookies who could just grow their role by way of playing well. So uh, I think that's a thing to think about for receivers as well. And one thing I, I would just say with that, like Emmanuel Sanders has been great, um, but I, I'm looking at PPR right now. He has 15 PPR points per game. That's not bad. I'm not saying that's bad. Sterling Shepard's actually at 15.8. He's missed a little time. Um, some of these other guys are talking about are lower. AJ Green's at 12.2. Those are not bad numbers, but that's outside the, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is right at wide receiver 24. It's basically, I, I, what I'm referencing is the guys that are actually near the top, the guys that are actually product, you know, like highly, highly productive, 18 points per game and higher. There's a handful of guys over 20 points per game. Um, those guys have all been – I mean, yeah, you're getting some splash weeks from from the late-round receivers. I didn't mean to you know, imply that you're not. But the really what it comes down to at receiver is not just a couple of big plays, a couple of touchdowns, stringing together some big performances. It comes down to can you consistently earn targets every single week? That's a, a big stat that I look at is targets per route run. Do you have the ability to be elite at earning targets on a route-to-run basis to where you can be productive week in and week out? And what is the most highly volatile position – for scoring. We've seen AJ Green spike. We've also seen him have some really bad games. And so, so yeah, there's going to be receivers that spike certainly. And we'll see if they can continue that. We've only had six weeks at the same time, the guys that have been consistently able to earn volume have all been upper level draft picks. 
Yep. So it's definitely some interesting game theory to keep in mind moving forward. Obviously, uh, these guys will be covering it pretty in depth. Uh, all Whenever there is a best ball tournament out there, ship chasing will be there. So uh, definitely check that out if you are a best ball fan. I know people saying best ball is easy. I, I think it's probably not as easy as it seems if you are a person out there who's luck boxing one lineup or two. But we got to talk about the present now. We got week seven. We got our troll equity play of the week. But I got a pander for likes here. If you're watching on Peach Channel or the Splash Play channel, please hit that like button. Helps all your favorite creators get seen by more people. And that's always the goal of what we're doing here so hit that like button and of course subscribe to the channel and again make sure to give us five stars and review an apple podcast for splash play helps us out a bunch and it helps get you a guest ticket onto this show so you can appear and be a star just like gretchen's being on splash play so come hang out with us and give us five stars and review an apple podcast Pete, troll play of the week. It's that time where we try to pinpoint a guy who could screw over a large portion of fantasy players' lineups. And there might be some obvious choices based on who we talked about so far. So I will let you go first, Pete. Set the bar. Yeah, it's uh, one thing I'm realizing uh, about the troll plays is I feel like we have the same troll plays every week because the same guys end up being the chalk. We've had a ton of Cooper Cup and Darrell Henderson. We've had a ton of Devontae Adams. So uh, we're going to have to get creative. And uh, I'm going to get really off the board here i'm seeing etr has the arizona cardinals defense as the highest projected ownership play on the entire slate at 30 percent right now everyone is very <laughs> excited to jam the cardinals against the texans i'm saying mr mills and brandon cooks go nuclear here total troll all of the cardinals chalk slappies and they only have four dk points thanks to a texans offense explosion yeah, almost 20% expected ownership for the Cardinals, according to Osmo's ownership projections, which are a good reference point addition to ETRs, Roto-Grinders as well. Uh, Gretch, you heard Pete setting the bar. They're going different, going with the defense. Uh, who do you think could end up trolling everybody in DFS this weekend? Yeah, one of the guys that's looking like a really good sort of points per dollar play and is going to carry some ownership because of that is Miles Sanders. I'm going to say uh, Kenneth Gainwell is going to be the troll play. Gainwell has been very lightly used the last two weeks. He was uh, at least at 30% snaps each of the first four weeks and very productive, multiple catches in every game, um, you know, solid yardage numbers, at least up over like 40 yards in every game, or at least over 30, it looks like. He's had some games where he's had substantially more than that, up, you know, up around 90 yards from scrimmage, a couple of touchdowns in those first four games. Last two weeks, he's been below 25% snap share. Looks like he has 25 total yards, one catch in each game, barely played over the last two games. It looked, it's been like they've been trying to get Miles Sanders into more of a feature role and get him more touches. But I don't think there's really a, a, a clear reason why they went away from Gainwell, who has been very productive in his own right. Uh, and I do think we're still in situation in a situation where at any given week, essentially Gainwell can play 30 plus percent of the snaps. I think uh <laughs> I mean, look, you can go down the running backs don't matter train all you want, but Gainwell, very good, very good prospect. Basically, I'll just say I think he's close to as good as Miles Sanders. And so um, I think we're going to see him not be as low of a snap share in most games going forward. I think that's kind of a fluky thing based on just sort of how Philly operates. They don't give a lot of touches to the backs. They've been trying to feature Sanders. I think we'll see a little bit more Gainwell here. And I'll say that he actually catches more passes. He gets the TD. He's done some of that stuff in the past already. And Sanders winds up busting. I will say for my troll play, and I think that's an interesting one, Pete, given that your crystal balls was all touting Miles Sanders yesterday. Here we are. Finally, an expert comes in that's not in your office, and <laughs> that way they can tell you Miles Sanders maybe not a great play. Uh, you know what? The uh, I, I can't speak for her and kind of what she sees in her crystal ball. <laughs> I, I like the uh, the Kenneth Gainwell play. 
Uh, well, either way, there's some options there if you want to play Sanders or you want to get some shares of Gainwell. Probably a wise move. For me, I am seeing one guy jump out in ownership that I, he's going to come through at some point, but I will say this not, it's not going to be this week. Calvin Ridley is going to be very highly owned. People are expecting him to go. And Pete, you know where I like to go when people are going to Cal Calvin Ridley or he's just not available. Big Kyle Pitts coming in one more time, riding off the high of being a crystal ball pick who came through in London. And this week, Pete, I think he's going to start to cement himself once more, maybe even better than Calvin Ridley. We'll find out against Miami. <laughs> what was that at the end? We'll find out against Miami. <laughs> I thought that was a Mike Davis pick coming as well. I did so. too, honestly. He's learned his lesson though from that one. <laughs> I, I was thinking it honestly, but I saw it and was like, I can't keep I how much of a sunken cost fallacy do I need with Mike Davis at this point? <laughs> yeah. I just uh you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. We need to book more of these season long bets next year, Specs. <laughs> yeah, there, there's hope for uh for the Kyle Pitts movement more than there's for the Mike Davis movement. That's what I would say. But it's that time, guys. We're going to go game by game for all of Sunday's games for week seven. And give our ride or die picks. So please hit that like button because our picks get stronger and more adept as we go. And, and Pete, Gretch was on last year and we were doing a more reasonable version of this game. I know you explained it to him in our DM, but explain it to both Gretch and everybody out there how we are handling the ride or die picks this year. Yeah, the 2021 version of Ride or Die has evolved into a meta game that involves lots of negotiation. We'll each toss out our favorite bet from the game. It can be DFS related. It could be a player scoring more points than another. It could be them appearing in the winning Millie Maker lineup. It could be a sports bet, a prop bet. And then we will litigate how many points that is worth. Unfortunately, our system is very rigid and you can only receive one, three, or 10 points. Sometimes there's uh, something that would warrant a five or six pointer. We don't have that. And then the judge and jury needs to make the decision whether we're rounding up or rounding down. It is always a good time. That is ride or die. There we go. So, Gretch, I hope you're ready for this one because we are starting it off with Washington getting 20.3 implied points. Green Bay getting 28.3 implied points. Uh, the line and edge sports look exactly the same as the books pretty much. So uh, nothing noteworthy there. And, Gretch, you could choose whatever you want here. So if you want to go super aggressive, get weird with it, maybe say Randall Cobb doubles up Devontae Adams. I don't want to guide you there, but if that's what you want to do, <laughs> feel free to do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to, as we go, get a little bit more hot takey. But um, on this one, I had, I was seeing <clears throat> the same thing Pete was with the Arizona ownership. This looks like a pretty slow game. And uh, Washington has actually been one of the worst matchups for opposing defenses, for whatever reason, if I'm not mistaken. I think I saw that and I was like, that doesn't seem right. But Heineke isn't taking a lot of sacks. He has thrown some picks. I'm going to say Green Bay is the top uh, scoring DST on the week. Even in a slow game, they get a pick six and uh, they're a good little pivot off Arizona. Yeah, Heineke only getting sacked 2.2% of the time. It looks like a league average 3% interception rate. So there is something there. Pete, what do you want in this game? Um, How many points if Terry McLaurin outscores Devontae Adams? <sighs> oh, this like is what you mean by negotiation. It's before you make the pick. Yeah, you know, there's lots of ways you do it. Sometimes I'll just demand a certain amount of points. Sometimes I'll, you know, we're early though, so it's it's a dialogue. There is sometimes, you know, to use the, the stealing best balls uh, kind of analogy, there's a little bit of foreplay sometimes that goes into this where we just got to see where the, the barrier is, see if there's a safe word that comes up. I would say though, Pete, that's a three pointer. That's a three. All right. It's a, it's a high volatility position. All right. All right. I can't sneak anything by you guys on this Friday afternoon. I'll take it though. I will go a different direction entirely, and I'm going to hope this is a 10-pointer based on the projections. Oh, J.D. McKissick, highest-scoring skill position player in this game. Is that a 10-pointer, Pete? Yes. 
He's yeah, got to outscore Devonte Adams, Aaron Jones, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson. Yeah, that's a ten pointer. Okay, good. I what about my good DST about one? What are you guys giving that? Top DST on the slate. Top that's DST. A that's a ten. Yeah, anything that's like the entire slate is almost always a ten. I feel like. Nice. Yeah, or you could just say gets in the Millie Maker winning lineup. Like that's also an easy way to do that. But then you know sometimes there's the game theory part of it. That's the issue with ride or die picks. You could be completely right and still end up wrong, which is the one thing I've <laughs> observed enough at how this game is mutated. Speaking of games that I could end up completely wrong about Atlanta, 25 implied points, Miami, 22.5 implied points. Maybe the last game for Tua in a Dolphins uniform. Who knows? Pete, what do you want in this one? Spags loves getting his shots in at Tua here. You're going to be noteworthy so news item. It's in the ESPN headlines. That that and we that I read this story is just so stupid. I'm I'm so. It's sick a of narrative it. item that people expect to hear when talking about this game, and maybe a Tua soiree. Who knows? Um. All right. I want to say how many points? Man, this breaks my heart. Miles Gaskin, how many points do I get if he outscores Calvin Ridley? Oh, that's given, given how Ridley's been so bad, though, and Gaskin's getting targeted probably more than Ridley, um, I feel like that's a three. It's, it's honestly like a six or a seven, but we don't have those, Pete. They're out of stock. All right, give me give me 10 if Miles Gaskin outscores Calvin Ridley by two points or more. How about two and a half? Fine. <laughs> Okay, that's a 10-pointer. Gradually, you've seen the negotiation. <laughs> there, really now, so a, there really is a meta game here. <laughs> Miles Gaskin, who had seven touches last week, and uh, a few weeks ago only had two touches. He did have the big game in between there. Uh, needs to outscore Calvin Ridley, who's going to be one of the chalkiest receivers, by two and a half points to get to 10. <laughs> I mean, when you put it that way, yeah. Spags, I'm going back down to one and a half points. No, you can't. We already yes, Greg just said we, that we that was shook hands. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't shake anything. I wouldn't touch your grubby, dirty little hands. <laughs> oh, I just showered. I, so my hair is flatter than usual. I was like, I've been trying to push up the bun during the show. <laughs> anyway, I guess I can go. I can go second here, and I will take. Um, you know what? Fuck you, Pete. I'll say Calvin Ridley doubles up Miles Gaskin. For <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's like that's a one. No, that's a three. That's a that's, three. It's a three. Fine, I'll take it as a three. Yeah. I mean, Gas because you say doubles up. Gaskin has literally had two of his last three games where he scored like fewer than three points, I think it is. Or something. Okay, get your logic out of here, Chris. That's <laughs> not what the game's about. <laughs> what do you what do you want in this one? Greg? I'm I'm gonna take another troll pick on this one and say Cordero Patterson priced up, gonna go under 10% owned, will catch five passes and score a touchdown. Because he I, can't so keep like, up his touchdown rate, and he can't keep earning so many targets per the limited amount of routes he's running. Five receptions and a TD. He's a key part of their offense. So to me, Spags, that's like a five-pointer. Are we giving him a guest boost? We can give him a guest 10, I think. He's done that enough. Point. I don't even know if that's worth a 10. Come on. I have I'll, to point I'll, out I'll argue against it. I just thought it was a funny <laughs> one. <laughs> now you're knocking your head down. All right, it's a three. So we all tried to go for 10s and settled with three. Or no, okay. I did get the 10 uh, on mine. Yes, you did. Negotiate. But okay. yeah, right. because There's of course you just happen. forced your way to it with your cult of personality, as always. <laughs> Classic. I have to point out, and I mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago, that I, out of frustration, built projections. Just you know, so I had something to compare to everything else I'm using. And my projection for Cordell Patterson this week is just shy of 22 fantasy points because I go off of the total yardage and touchdown shares. He has 27% of the team's total yardage and 42% of their touchdowns right now. Yeah, if you look at it from those types of perspectives, he looks great. I mean, they're using him. 
<laughs> yeah, like t- too much in a way that's <laughs> illogical and makes no sense. But we'll see if it happens for one more week. Either way, next game up, Kansas City, 31 implied points, Tennessee, 26.5 implied points. Uh, the edge sports line for this one, though, is closer to a one point spread instead of a five point spread. So maybe some value in chasing a closer game in this one. And I think I'm due to go first for this. And I, I don't love that. Um you know what? Uh, this is one that I think is going to be tough because of the ownership. So Pete will allow it. But uh, Tyree Kill in the Millie Maker winning lineup. Is that a 10 pointer, Pete? It has to be because that's always a 10 pointer. Then why are you asking? Because <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes it sounds like you feel like you're me. pulling a fast one over uh, and you know it, it has to be. It has to be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it has to be a 10-pointer based on the rules, but sometimes you go like, oh, he's too good. You can't do that. How low do I have to go on Derrick Henry's points to get ten, to get a 10-pointer? <laughs> to go under, under what number? If Is he scores... It, no. <laughs> under, if he scores under 13 DraftKings points. 13? This dude scores 13 in his sleep. <laughs> <laughs> then it sounds like that's not a bet you want to make. <laughs> Spags, can I get you to 15? See, the chat says mm. under 10 for a 10 pointer. 10? I was being nice to you with 30. Yeah, have you guys heard that he catches too. passes this year? Yeah. He's getting he's getting almost three targets a game. And you know, uh, Makai Sargent, and we all we talked about him this week. He's coming on strong, but not that strong. Under under 16 for a three-pointer, under 10 for a 10-pointer. Final offer. Have you seen how many points this dude's scoring? <laughs> Then you might want to pivot. I mean, I'm not going to get bullied into letting you get an easy 10 points. Oh, I, that's easy? Derrick Henry going? I mean, I thought I was being a glutton for punishment here. All right, you got to go first. I'm going to pivot. I'm not I'm not taking a three-pointer on under 16 for Henry in a high total game. He's going he's gonna to I'll show you how to do a 10-pointer on Derrick Henry. All right. Give me 10 points if Darrell Williams outscores Derrick Henry. That That is a 10. That is that is a really showing the expertise here. It was funny. I don't know, if, Pete, if you're watching the Gretch's face. Gretch's face when you told him the gave him the breakdown of that was just like crestfallen. <laughs> that's like a that's a better bet than the one that I'm trying to make. <laughs> Under 13 points, you at least have outs if Daryl Henderson or uh, Daryl Williams has a big game. That's yeah. why I'm a veteran of this game, Gretch, and you just came into the lion's den. All right, I'm staying away from Derrick Henry. Then I'll say AJ Brown, 100 yards, two touchdowns. The two touchdowns makes it a 10-pointer. Yep, I agree. And uh, I take it his digestive problems are going away in this scenario? No, he's going to shit after a second. (laughs) In the end zone. That's going to be a sub. That's at least 15 points. You got to make that a (laughs) 15-pointer? Yes, if if he runs to the bathroom to shit after a second touchdown, we will give you an extra five points. Yeah, or if he shits himself live on TV, I think we'll also count that one, even though it is technically not the letter of the law. Different uh, strokes for different folks, Spags. Next. Next game up, New York Jets, 17.8 implied points. New England Patriots, 24.8 implied points. Seven-point line, according to the books. Edge Sports has it as an eight-point line, so not much to uh, squeeze out of that one. And Gretch, you could try going first again if you want to take something in this beautiful matchup of the AFC East. Do you guys do these, uh, do you guys do a cross-games you know, a player from this game outscores somebody sure. from a different game. Yeah, why not? I'll say Elijah Moore outscores Rashad Bateman. Elijah Moore Ooh. coming off the the bye, little banged up, slow start to his season, was a big, big camp name. I think he's still going to have some explosive games. Bateman's going to be really popular in DFS this week. I think Elijah Moore outscoring him. I certainly don't think that's most likely scenario, but I do think it's a fun little bet. I think that's a three-pointer. 
Yeah, I think it's a three. You could have talked me into a ten just because the ownership's not going to be on more at all. But this, right? You know, the volume's there. Yeah, Pete's. You know, Pete's a. I'm not. That's not there. a ten pointer. Let's not. <laughs> get, let's not get crazy here. Um, oh, but Daryl Williams. That's good. All, right, all right, I want a ten pointer if Jacoby Myers scores a touchdown. He's never scored a touchdown <laughs> in his career. It's one of the most unlikely things to happen. That has to be a ten pointer. I mean, it's going to happen. The law of averages is going to happen at some point, and we can't keep picking it every week, but it's, I guess I'll give I mean, it to you. We, no, you can't give it to him. There's there's TD scoring props. Let's go look at I mean, DK. he's also – he doesn't have an end zone target on the year either, so that's what makes me feel like I mean, it's still going to be a 10 I mean, he scored last week, but it got called back. His, uh, his prop to score, he's the second most likely by odds behind Damian Harris in the entire game to score. He's is this why they keep building casinos, Gretch? Plus, Plus 150 to be an anytime score. The implied odds on that are, are, are what? Astronomical. Uh, 33% <laughs> or something? Okay, fine. I have so much conviction. I'll take a three-pointer Jacoby Myers touchdown. <laughs> Why did you take two touchdowns for Ted? Like, let's not be. It, dude, that would take him two lifetimes just to get to two touchdowns. <laughs> Fun fact, he's thrown two TDs in the NFL. Wow. Hmm. All right. How about, okay, Pete, what do you think about this one? What if Jacoby Myers outscores Zach Wilson? What's That's the scoring on that? Literally, ETR has Jacoby Myers outscoring Zach Wilson. So just get that fucking bullshit <laughs> okay, cool. out of I here. Just, I thought it was it's worth a, a shot. It's a one-pointer. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll take, I'm going to leverage off of Pete's conviction, and I will take Jacoby Myers scores two touchdowns for 10 points. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's not even leveraging. God. That was a pretty good vault me, though. Because it'll be good. great when you're like, oh, I got it right, but Spag's got it even more right and got seven more points for it. That's the that's the fun of the game. Is that going to be the new meta of the game? Whatever one of us says, the other just tries to ramp it up to the nth degree. I should have taken Daryl Williams to beat Derrick Henry <laughs> by two points. Yeah. <laughs> the two evolution of the game is happening right before our eyes. I'm just blessed to be a part mm -hmm. of it, really. Carolina, 23 implied points. The Giants, 20 implied points in this game. And Pete, I think we're back to you going first. I don't know. Try it either way. Um, all right. Let's see here. You say Carolina, right? Yep. Carolina Giants. Um, okay. All right. Let's say I want to do something to tilt Gretch. <laughs> I mean, this is Rob like hey, Gretch, a hundred points if Robbie Anderson outscores DJ Moore. <laughs> We're splash play. Bob. This is this is how I win psychologically because Gretch has to be like, "There's no fucking way that happens. That has to be a ten pointer." <laughs> and there's obviously a way that that happens. Okay, Wide receiver. See, I thought you liked DJ Moore. Do you not like DJ Moore anymore? <laughs> Look, my my written down uh, prediction for this game is DJ Moore thirty burger, but I might change it. But that is what I have written down right now. <laughs> Wow. So it sounds like if Robbie Anderson outscores him, he scores 31. That seems like it's a 10 pointer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I'll, I'll give you the 10 just because I think we need to make time. <laughs> so okay. Now I'll meet you guys in the middle. Robbie Anderson outscores DJ Moore by one and a half. <laughs> Is that in the middle? All right. All right. <laughs> give him his 10. Thank it's not you. happening. Fine. Take your 10. Uh, not Gretch, what do you want here? That. And keep in mind, you're going to get an easier 10 then, uh, especially if you are going for that DJ Moore angle. Yeah, I mean, this is the other one where you could do the top DST on the slate. I almost, we just sat here and talked about how the Giants are going to be down every player. And Daniel Jones is bad. And I think the Panthers D is kind of underrated. So I think I might pivot to that and have that as my 10-pointer for two different games. Is that uh, – you guys good for that? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with it. I'll take the Panthers' top DST on the slate as well, along with uh, my Packers. If you just do it for every game, then <laughs> you'll have I'll a 50% chance <laughs> to get it. So play all the defenses if you want to follow Crutch's lead. Sage advice. For me, I will say, all right, what is... This, this has got to be 10, and I feel like it's too ambitious of a 10. But Pete, John Ross, highest scoring skill position player, must be a 10, right? Oh, God, it's at least a 50. <laughs> and I'm a John Ross truther. <laughs> I will. You said the highest scoring player. Position player. So position not, not player? QBs. Yeah, I will. I'll make an exception and give you 15 points, even though those, those don't even exist. Okay. That's very generous. That's and I you or are or right you could now. just say on the Giants, and I think it's still worth 10. I mean, if you're including the Panthers in the entire game. That's that sounds I don't like- I feel like Pete would try to nickel and dime me on the Sterling Shepard thing, but he's not that good. Devontae Booker is also just a backup. Running backs don't matter. Don't don't put words in my mouth, but yeah, I wouldn't give you 10 <laughs> points for that. I know how it goes, but I'll take the 15 for that. John Ross, the John Ross breakout week we've all been waiting for outside of Madden. Finally, 20, 20, uh, 2019 spa or 2020 spags would have never have done this bet. You've completely changed. <laughs> I've always enjoyed uh, like low target, high a dot guys. That's a, that's a falsity. People who followed my Osmo content and followed me off a fucking cliff for some of those guys, I think can speak to that one. Either way, next game, Cincinnati, 20 implied points, Baltimore, 26.5 implied points, seven point line, according to the books here. And, uh, Gretchen, you can go first on this one in this battle, uh, between two AFC North teams. Um, I'm seeing, I mean, this is just more like a take than the absurdity we're doing, but because <laughs> Bateman is, is uh pretty high owned, I'm seeing Marquise Brown coming in, looking like he's going to come in at potentially even sub 5%. And so I have Marquise Brown as a, you know, a 20 point producer, which I mean, at his salary would be, what's a three pointer, a smash draft King, uh, Marquise Brown over 20 DraftKings points. It's a classic three pointer. Yeah, that's a that's a vintage three pointer. Some could say, Pete, what it's, do you want? Oh, I mean, it's a three pointer as old as time. Spags. It's a twenty twenty vintage. Uh, <laughs> it's something that is so comforting and relatable. Um, <laughs> okay, I am going to say, Marky's proud over twenty five points. <laughs> no, I, I should. Uh, what will you guys give me if Tyler Boyd? is the highest scoring Bengals wide receiver. So outscores Jamar Chase and T Higgins. I'll leave that to Spags. I think it's a three. It's it's again a little it's more than a three, but it's it's closer to a three. Okay, yeah. what about Higgins highest scoring? I mean that's that's, just, that's even less of a three. It's closer to a three. It's an actual three. It's yeah. that's, what, that's my point. <laughs> actual three. All right, T Higgins highest scoring Bengals wide receiver for three points. All right. Um Okay, well, I see. I don't know if this is too heroic to go this way, but I, I just want to uh, a Baltimore double stack in the Millie Maker winning lineup, and I don't have to do that. I could just say Lamar, and that would accomplish the same thing. But this is the show we've created now, Pete, where I feel like I'm making takes just to p- completely proof myself from you nickel and diming me down. Yeah, that's probably an eight pointer, but I'll give it to you. What did you say, Baltimore <laughs> double stack? Yeah, in the Millie I Maker like winning that. lineup. That's a good call. I like that. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Gretch. Gretch so supportive, unlike Pete here, who just exists to tear us down and I give mean, us less points. Congratulations on saying the chalk double stack is going to be in the winning Millie Maker lineup. <laughs> so mean. Detroit, 17.3 <laughs> implied points. The Los Angeles Rams, 13.3 implied points. It's a 16-point line in the books. 14-point line, according to Edge Sports, is 100,000 simulations. So either way, the, also the money line of this one is minus 11. 1,110 is the money line of this game. Uh, Pete, you want to 10 pointer take Detroit to win. Um, 
<laughs> that that would be a very fun 10 pointer. Um let me try this one on uh, Gretch. Gretch, will you give me 10 points if the four highest scoring players in this game are all Rams? No, 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 no. He's done this with five yes. guys and it's worked really well in the hey, past. Like He's got to do at least six. I, I mean, I, I would. <laughs> it's, and he got it right twice, Scratch. He's had, it's happened twice this year. He's well, just, he's killing us with this bullshit move that doesn't spag. I, I mean, think, I, okay, look, the Rams very concentrated offense. I get that, but it's, it, it is largely cup Henderson. You got woods potentially. Higby would have to be pretty dang productive to outscore both Van Jefferson, and Swift Deshaun on the other Jackson side. lurking, Johnny Munts waiting for his time oh, in the spotlight. Yeah, those guys are all definitely going to outscore both Swift and Hawkinson, who are great. The, the, the Lions are great at garbage time production. I think if you get all four Rams, I think that's a 10 point. I think it's top. still got to be five. I'll give you the five on this one because Gretch no, made the case. Five, it's five if it's in including the quarterback. Four, four with just skill position. I hate you. I'll I'll allow it, but if it happens again, I will be uh, the, the worst sport on Monday when we're doing the welcome to the family bit. It's not happening. DeAndre Swift or Thank TJ you, Hawkinson is it, Detroit's a concentrated offense too, especially when they trail. If, if LA does destroy, you're gonna get Detroit production. <laughs> See, Pete's nodding, but like the thing is, it's the the spread being so high. I figured out it's the games with the really high spreads. Pete just assumes that it's gonna be an even worse blowout, and that's been right. So I think it's a very savvy take. It's just a little too easy for a ten normally. It's normally it's a great ten. Thank you guys. Uh, who's next? <laughs> Uh, Gretch, you can go next here if you want to make an actual hot take instead of Pete's bullshit shell game he's given us here. His three-card Monty approach to ride-or-die picks. All right. I mean, I'll just go the other way just to go against Pete and say that DeAndre Swift's the highest scoring player in the game. Okay. That's a, that's a 10, right? That's a 10. That's yeah. a, Including quarterbacks, Ben? No. Skill player. All right. So outscoring Cooper Cup and Darrell Henderson is yeah. the bet, basically. Yeah, I was originally going to do something for Hawkinson, but we, we got to get a little crazier than whatever I could get, get with Hawkinson. Yeah, it's so probably say... more of like an eight, but I'll round up for the guests. <laughs> All right, I got one, and I think this is going to be a 10, but it's really, I'm just going pure narrative with this one. Jared Goff outscores all of the Rams players. Is that a 10? Yes. Pete, is that a 10? Yeah, that's a 10. Including okay. Stafford? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a 10. Okay, so the Jared Goff revenge game, not something I would normally want to back, but just for the sake of argument, let's do that for this one. Philadelphia, 22.8 implied points. Las Vegas, 25.8 implied points. This one, the books has a 48.5 point spread. Edge Sports has it as a 54 point spread, as I mentioned earlier. So keep that in mind if you want to stack this one up as a sneaky game. And I think I'm due to go first in this one. And I guess I'll take Hunter Renfro, highest scoring skill position player. Pete, is that a 10? Yeah. Okay. There we go. You <laughs> yeah, you can have that terrible play. <laughs> I never know. He's gonna be like Hunter Renfro. Kind of been like, looking spry lately. I don't. gonna argue that. <laughs> uh, Spags is so in his head on this that he's making. I, worse I don't know it's a good play and a bad play yeah, anymore. Just to make sure that I immediately agree that it's a dead pointer. <laughs> Look, the meta game has been strong for you. I think we can all agree there. Gretch, what do you want? I'll go Gainwell over Sanders in, in uh, PPR points. Three. Three? Sanders is chalk. All right, wait, time out. Before I make the bet, is it a 10 or is it a three? It's like, do you want the real answer? <laughs> is it a six? But we don't have those. It's a six? It's All right, then six. I'll go 
Quez, what what about if Quez Watkins is the highest scoring receiver in the game? Oh, that's a 10. All right. Quez Watkins, highest scoring receiver in the game. There you uh, go. I mean, is he going to outscore Hunter Renfro? That's the big question everybody's yeah. asking. The streets right. are buzzing about. Spags, listen to me closely. <laughs> Three players from this game, and I don't have to specify which, are in the winning Millie Maker lineup. Okay. I, that's an interesting one. It's an interesting approach that we have not broken out on the show before, Ooh, but it's because Petey Meta is always ahead of the game. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. I think it's a 10. It's just, it's a weird. Somebody 10. whose name starts with the same first letter as the starting quarterback <laughs> on one of these teams will be in the middle of Carolina. The witty quarterback will have a Gemini horoscope. <laughs> Well, it's like, you know, the Supreme Court, like when they make a ruling, it's like it has to be very specific and not overbroad. Like, that's what this feels like is every time I allow a new bet, it's like, fuck, he's going to exploit this and just use it to beat me. I will say that the way that he put that, he said in the winning Millie lineup, not in the optimal, which means somebody's got to actually play these three players. It can't be, you know, Quez or Gainwell, who are not going to be in enough lineups, probably. (sighs) Well, I'm about to max it. Game stack max this. (laughs) Just to get a shot at winning a ride or die pick. That would be the biggest thing for uh, me trying to win a million dollars and then winning it and be more proud about just shoving it down your throat with my ride or die victory. Not only did I beat you in ride or die picks, I leveraged it to get a million dollars. Thank you. Houston, 15 implied points. Arizona, 32.5 implied points. And I'm going to go first in this one, Pete, just out of spite. I will say the top five scores in this game are Arizona Cardinals. Is that a 10? Oh. Uh, it's a little It's a little bit tougher on this one because the bringbacks are Houston. You're just fading Brandon Cooks, basically. It, it, yeah, you're fading Brandon. No, but let's, let's, if you, let's toss in the... Let's toss in the quarterback. Yeah, Davis no, Mills. I'll toss in the quarterback. All right, I'll get. I'll, I'll let him have this one, Spag or uh, Gretch. What do you think? Because yeah. Brandon and Davis Mills can't pop up in there. If he's going to get five Cardinals to outscore their QB, that's pretty damn good. I'll take that. Yeah, we'll, we're going to give it to you. But just it'll <laughs> never happen again. <laughs> <laughs> I've given you this one kindness, and I'll never give you. <laughs> All right, Pete. What do you want? Um, let's see here. Let's say Rondell Moore doubles up AJ Green in scoring. Ugh. One. That's, that's like a three. <laughs> that's a one. <laughs> okay. AJ Green doubles up Rondell Moore in scoring. Also that's, a one. I, <laughs> I think they're both threes for what it's worth. <laughs> You're picking two guys that have the ability to have like a one point game. I mean, it, it's the it doubles up thing, the way you're framing it. You this. guys are just punishing me now because I'm so creative. <laughs> all right how about um i'll take three-pointer brandon cooks outscores deandre hopkins i'd give him that okay that's fair thank you okay gratch what do you want uh 10 pointer for deandre hopkins outscoring brandon cooks (laughs) (laughs) i mean he's only getting three targets a game at this point so the opposite of pete for everything (laughs) Um, I don't, man, I don't have a good one here. I, I was going to do something where Cooks didn't score a lot of points. Oh, I'll say Cooks under 10 DK points, which is like, I mean, if you know this guy's market share numbers, that's somewhat bold. Every, uh, Gretch is like the guy in a fantasy league that sends you the trade offer and tries to convince you. Way oh, too I'm hard the only one deals. convincing people <laughs> things here. I'm the only one. 
You got to know how hard that would be for Brandon Cooks to go in. All right, all right. Here's what I'll say. Nico Collins outscores Brandon Cooks. I was going to give you yours. No, I don't even want to say Cooks under 10. I want to say Nico Collins over Brandon Cooks. That's that's a 10-pointer. Old metagame Pete is really everybody's head on this show now. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Chicago, 17.5 implied points. Also, we're almost done, guys, so have no fear. Tampa Bay, 29.5 implied points, uh, 12-point spread in this one. And, Gretch, you can go first. Chicago and Tampa Bay, what do you want? I mean, Leone told me that Fields is the, the lowest projected quarterback on the main slate at at ETR, I think. And so I'm going to say that Justin Fields, like how, how aggressive do I have to get with Justin Fields to get 10? Does he have to be in the winning million? Maker? Out, I don't think... Tom Brady. Okay. Yeah. All right. Outscores. Oh, okay. Out, outscores. <laughs> I was, oh, was going to say 20 points for Justin Fields, but fine. Outscores Tom Brady. Let's go for it. Can I? So I don't want to leverage off of Gretch. I want to uh, highlight it. I want to season his pick with a little more. I would say Justin, just a little more assault on for <laughs> 300 yards and a touchdown for Justin Fields. Is that enough for 10? Say that again. Passing yards? Three, yeah, 300 passing yards and one passing touchdown. What is his line, probably Gretch, like 220? It's it might not even be over 200 with how he's played this year. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, in this matchup, it's it's not going to be that low, or else I'm going to be hammering the over. I think, but I'll, I'll pull it up real quick. Yeah, uh, my gut reaction, Spags, it's a seven pointer, but we don't have those, so I guess it's a three. <laughs> His over under is two eighteen point five. So that feels like three hundred is a pretty good distance between the prop line. Uh, um, what's his uh Ben? Can you tell me his uh, uh completion prop there? Uh, I can't. It is 19.5 and being bet to the under. <laughs> All right. So Spags, if he's also over 25 completions and 300 yards, 25. I'll give it to Okay. So, but, but then, I mean, he would get a TD, I think, but the TD is off the table. Then we're just saying yardage plus completions. And now I am the TD is probably what <laughs> <really makes it. laughs> Well, look, if he's thrown over 300 yards, it's probably fine. 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 So 300 yards, 25 completion Poor Willis and a touchdown is what he has to hit for 10. Yes. Correct. Okay, good. I'll take it. I'll take it. Good. I mean, that was good negotiating by Pete because if he gets 300, it's probably big plays. I don't think he gets 25 completions, man. That's a lot. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. Um, all right. I'll do 10 points for high scoring players in the game are Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Say, say that one more time. The four highest scoring players no. in the game. Five. So, so that's a three-pointer then we're doing? No, all right. No, I'm pivoting. I'm just probing the waters. Um, <laughs> the Tamp, how the many, Bears have no one. How many points if the Tampa Bay Bucks defense outscores Justin Fields? I'd give you 10. Thank you. It's correlated. It's a good, it's a good bet, but I'd give you 10. All right, Fine. Thank you. I don't know. I honestly, I'm sacks, so beaten though. down by this experience. <laughs> I, just, I love this show. I just want it to be over because I'm suffering. I'm just getting worked here. It's like go, I was like being Muhammad Ali doing rope a dope. I'm just getting punched over. And I do over. gotta say, as the impartial third, uh, Pete is very good at getting his money down on on, on better odds than than he's giving spags. Oh my, yeah, he's Pete. Pete is literally a sports book. Like he's just this is exactly what we talk about. Like don't trust your sports book because they will fucking squeeze you at every. <laughs> my, basically, my goal for the Friday show is for Spags to get off of it and feel like he just got waterboarded. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
honestly, you're not wrong. Cratch, what do you want? I took the field. Oh, uh, you're right. My bad. Okay, so I, I'm so I'm so distracted. I'm out of my element now because Pete's just working me. Sunday night football, the last game that we are going to do a ride or die pick for. We got Indianapolis, 19.8 implied points. San Francisco, 23.8 implied points. And we don't know a lot about this game that we need to know injury-wise. So, uh, Pete, what do you want here? And, and Gretz, just so you know, normally we do just take a showdown captain, just make yeah. it easy for a 10-pointer. Yeah, Um. It's Elijah Mitchell week, fellas. Oh, Elijah Mitchell God, showdown that winning. That is my fucking pick. I'll, I'll let you have it. You want it? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Want All right, it. take it. Yes. Yeah, I win. <laughs> <laughs> All you Spags, gotta do is complain a little bit, Spags. He's, he's a softy at heart. Spags, do you want me to tell you my second pick so you could take that one? <laughs> no, no. I just I will, I'll let you have the second one. I'm sure it'll be completely different than what I'm gonna take. Brandon Ayuk winning captain. Oh yeah, that that was not what I was gonna take. Um, do we do we know who's starting at QB yet? Garoppolo. Yeah. Is it okay? Um, I, I will take whoever is starting at San Francisco QB winning captain, just in case Garoppolo doesn't get in. But if it's if it's Lance or it's Garoppolo, that's my guy. I think it's pretty clearly Garoppolo. Yeah, I don't, Lance might have even been ruled out, but yeah, was he okay? Well, whatever. If, if it's Garoppolo, if it's somebody who else is even on the roster besides Lance or Garoppolo. Yeah. I'd probably give him 100 points if Garoppolo is the winning captain, Gretch. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. 100 points. Garoppolo no, no, no. It's just all jokes. It's more of an eight, but we'll give you 10. All right. There we go. We survived this one. Thank you guys for watching the show. Make sure to hit the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Make sure to follow at Yards Per Gretch. Follow at Peter Robertson. Follow at Chris Spags. Follow at Splash Play Pod. Gretch, the floor is yours real fast to plug whatever you want, whether it be your many ventures or just, you know, say something mean to Pete if you want on the way out. That's also completely <laughs> fine. Maybe even encouraged. I mean, look, you guys gave me plenty of time to plug before, so I guess mean to Pete is probably the path. Um, I'll say... <laughs> Pete, Pete will not win the Millie Maker is my 10 point. <laughs> That's more of a three. <laughs> I think it's a, it's a steady one. It might be a minus one at this point. Uh, I just want to say nice things to you guys. I appreciate you guys um, coming on the show and making me feel good about myself. <laughs> yeah, look, oh, we have, we have a lot of fun. Here. Oh, cool. Yeah, real cool. <laughs> All right, so there we go. Make sure you're following everybody on this show and come back Monday, 2.30. We'll be back once more, drawing another viewer guest on that show. And check out, Pete, you got streams this weekend too, so plug your streams before we jump off. Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be back Sunday morning at 10.30 to uh, talk DFS. Gretch has a show on Sunday mornings with Bime4. That's a great watch. And also, uh, just to plug it again, if you guys haven't subscribed to Stealing Signals, it's Ben Gretch's terrific newsletter. Mm -hmm. It's a sub stack you can subscribe to. You get multiple emails a week, all of the signals and noise to help you on the waiver wire, DFS, lineup decisions, all that good stuff. Highly, highly recommend it. And Latavius Murray also officially out according to our accountant Willis. So that'll have some ramifications for the low ball lineups we built on yesterday's show that we will talk about on Monday. But either way, we appreciate all you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys again soon. Have a good weekend and good luck.